0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Actus podcast, a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news relevant to the CDI profession and Actus. I'm Rebecca Hendren, the Director of Programming for Actus, and I'll be your host for today's show, which is part of our Talking CDI series. In every episode of this series, I'll be discussing CDI topics with guests, including members of the Actus Advisory Board, or other experienced CDI leaders from around the country to talk about strategic topics related to the state of the industry, or where CDI is going, or opportunities for advancement. Today, we're going to discuss the importance of case mix index to CD, CDI, and I'm joined by Laurie Prescott and Kim Connor. Laurie Prescott is the Interim Actors Director and CDI Education Director at HCPro. Pro. As many of you know, she is the lead developer and instructor for the CDI bootcamps. She is a subject matter expert for Actus, and she's a member of the CCDSO certification committee, as well as being on the Actus advisory board. She's a frequent speaker on the Actus podcast and the Actus conferences and webinars, and she has authored the Clinical Documentation Improvement Specialist Training Guide and the Actus Pocket Guide series. Also joining me today is Kim Connor, CDI Education Specialist for Actis. Kim serves as a full-time instructor for HC Pro's CDI Boot Camps, as well as the Propel CDI Advisory Services. She is a subject matter expert for Actis, and she frequently writes for Actis publications, as well as speaking at Actus events. And Kim has many years of clinical experience as a surgical ICU burn trauma nurse at large academic medical centers, and during her career, she's been responsible for initiating CDI programs in both the inpatient and outpatient settings, and developing ongoing education across the continuum of care. So welcome to the show, Laurie and Kim. Before we jump into our discussion, though, I do have a brief word about today's sponsor.
1: Today's show is brought to you by the 2023 Actus Pocket Guide. The Actus Pocket Guide contains more than 75 conditions, each with detailed clinical definitions, diagnostic criteria and treatment protocols, coding considerations, provider tips, CDI critical thinking tips, and additional references. Co written by Lori Prescott, Actus Interim Director and CDI Education Director and Dr. James Manns, a practicing physician seeks in the latest physician documentation terminology, the 2023 Access Pocket Guide offers the latest information that CDI professionals need to know, including Fiscal Year 2023 Guidelines, 2022 Coding Clinics Guidance, COVID-19 related updates, an updated MSDRG table, and updated severity of illness values for comorbid conditions offering impact. Use the link in today's show notes to pre-order your copy of the 2023 Actus Pocket Guide today.
0: So welcome and thank you again for joining me today, Laurie and Kim. I'm really excited to sit down with you both to discuss Case mix Index, especially in, the light, in light of the fact that Actis just published a new white paper earlier this month devoted to taking the mystery out of the CMI metric. The white white paper is a benefit for Actus members and was authored by Laurie Prescott and the Actus Advisory Board. This paper is called Demystifying and Communicating Case Mix Index, and we'll include a link to that in the show notes so you can see it. But to get us started, Laurie, I know case mix index is intimidating for a lot of us. Can you start by talking about what CMI actually is and who and what does it impact?
2: Well, you know, I'm always shocked when people say it's intimidating because it's basic math. So your case mix index um, takes, if you guys go back to what a DRG is, every DRG has a relative weight, which is a numeric measure of how complex or how much resource consumption that DRG is expected to use. So the case mix index literally is an average of those relative weights tied to a specific population. So hospitals sometimes will compute the the case mix index on a monthly basis or on a quarterly basis, looking at all their admissions. They may um, pull out specific um, populations to look at it. So it's just an average of a group of encounters, inpatient encounters, an average of their relative weights. So you asked, um, you know, uh, why, you know, how does it impact or or what is so important about it? Well, it's it's a nice touchstone, and that's what I say to people. It's a nice touchstone for your CFO to understand um, and predict what the payments are going to be for a certain period. It helps you understand the complexity of your patient population. Um, But as you're going to see and we discuss, it's it's complicated in the um, interpreting how what the what the meaning of that single number is when you see it can be really complicated and i think that's where people get confused as to how to explain how to use it what do you think so i I
3: think there's a lot of variation to it and there's a lot of nuance to it. it it's not as straightforward as everybody seems to think it is so um and and being able to uh, relay that information uh, to, the, to the CFOs and the C suite. Um, what is impacting them and, and why? Uh, I think can be a little bit of a challenge sometimes.
0: Yeah, and Laurie, you mentioned it's basic math, but a lot of us, basic math is is still quite intimidating. You know, my, my son is nine, and I'm getting to the point where I'm worried I won't be able to help him much longer. So so that basic math, I, 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 think, I think it seems more intimidating than it actually is. And I've certainly found it helpful uh, working with you on the white paper to deepen my understanding of it. So why is it such an important metric?
3: I think it's a very versatile metric. Um, I, when I first started CDI and I learned about case mix index, I was told that the finance of every organization rises and falls on case mix index. And I think as we um, continue to move forward in more of a value and quality space, case mix is going to become uh, less and less of a, of a driver for finances uh, per se. What I, that's my opinion on it. But uh, it is very versatile, and I think there's a lot of information that can be pulled from it, um, like appropriate admission for inpatient statuses or... Um, defining the acuity of of your population with with things being more and more outpatient, uh, patients that are inpatient, and I think this is where CDI becomes more important on the inpatient side, is really making sure we're capturing that acuity because relative weights and case mix does define the acuity of our patients.
2: I I agree, Kim. And, you know, I I tell people when I started back in CDI way back in 2007, CMI was like the primary metric that we reported. Everybody in the hospital wanted to know what the CMI was every month and it was reported through my department in CDI. And if you want to know how antiquated it was back then in 2007, I actually had to do it by hand. Um, so, yeah, don't laugh. So your your nine-year-old son could have helped me, Rebecca, because basically it was pen and paper and adding up the numbers and reporting it each month until we got software that did that for us. But I think... What I've seen over the years is exactly what Kim is saying. CDI has spread its impact throughout the organization. We're impacting denials management. We're impacting quality reporting. Um, so it's not just that reimbursement that's directly tied to the CMI. So I think we're starting to use this metric differently, where it was the key metric way back when, when I was doing CDI with Florence Nightingale, now it's one of the one of many metrics that we look at with a, with a larger picture. And I think that's what I stress is, is that we talked about why is it so complicated, that communication to your organization, to the C-suite, to your staff, if you're a CDI director, that communication about what is the CMI, how you um, impact it, and the nuances attached to that is where the complication arises, making sure that people understand that whole metric and that's what we tried to do with this paper is go from that basic math equation to start to talk about how do you communicate this with others in your organization so that you can use this number effectively and make sure that people understand those nuances.
0: Right, it is such an important tool. And I love to see CDI departments really be able to figure out what the nuances are for them and to take ownership of the way it should be used rather than feeling dictated to how um, the organization will be evaluating it. So I see that as such a change from even a few years ago.
2: Absolutely
0: so who needs to be educated about CMI and 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 what ways should CDI professionals think about that and, and how they should uh, influence the conversation in their organization
2: I'm gonna start and I'm gonna punt it over to you Kim um, i My feeling is everybody should be educated about it and don't make an assumption as the CDI manager or director or the CDI working in a department that the people above you totally understand CMI. Share this paper with them um, so that they can understand how CDI impacts that number but how do all those other variables within your organization impact that number. Um, I used to try to educate it. I didn't necessarily have the rules way back when when I started but one thing I used to always communicate to the CFO was when I would send those numbers out every month if it was very high you know he would send back congratulations Lori your CDI department is rock they're rock stars look what's happening and my response was oh but let me explain to you why it's high this month and he, he used to say to me Lori take the credit and my answer always was if I take the credit for when it's high I have to take the credit for when it's low and it's not always about CDI and what I was trying to do is educate him but I don't think I had the exact words to do it where I think this paper helps. Now Kim is a little more savvy than I am so she might have a, a different response as to who needs to know this and how to teach them.
3: Well, I, I think I absolutely 100% agree with you that everybody should understand what case mix is and what and everything that impacts it. Um, and I don't feel uh, ever that a single metric stands on its own. Um, and so, before when I said it's very a very versatile tool, it really is. Um, even for education purposes, it, to be able to pull out what you need to pull out. Um, you know, so if you're looking at specific DRGs, if you're looking at specific service lines, if you're looking at specific providers, day people versus night people, you can really kind of make adjustments. And, and for CDI, I think more importantly, it's an education tool. Um, we've looked at X amount of cases. Let's take a look at this specific DRG. Did CDI touch this case? Did they not? If they did, you know did something get missed uh or did you you know you maximize this you know you looked at it every single day so it's an you have the ability to really use it but cdi doesn't just own it and and again i agree with laurie on this one um where cdi gets the pat on the back when it goes up and then you know if it starts to fall they start looking at cdi saying well why is that um where many things do influence it so again did we admit the patient to the appropriate level of care so are we having low relative weight drgs like a lot of them um and then these are now getting uh, you know downgraded to an observation status so are we going back and then removing those cases from our case mix because we've just reported all of that as as inpatient. So I think there's just a lot of um, a lot of hands that do impact it. Coding is another department that does. Um, is their sequencing correct? Is their G- DRG correct? So again, it's not, it doesn't just all fall on CDI. So uh, that's my take on that one.
2: I think you bring up a, a really important piece too, Kim. You know, if at the end of the month or the end of the quarter, you print out that CMI, we now live in a world where courses, uh, cases are downgraded, their statuses are being changed, denials are happening. That case mix index at, on the last day of the month or the first day of September for August may not be correct. Um, it may take a couple months for it to settle even longer because of everything is not as carved in stone as it was years ago related to that. Um, So when those admissions get downgraded to an observation status by the payer or when the principal diagnosis is denied and the case has to be resequenced, that's going to affect your DRG. And if you have a lot of those occurrences happening weeks, months after, um, You've looked at the CMI, your CMI is going to adjust. And I think sometimes people don't think about that. They look at what that number is and think that's what it is. And it may not be.
3: Especially with medical necessity denials being as, you know, they're pretty much um, number one on the list for denials. So are we going back and then making those adjustments? Are we taking those low relative weights out of our case mix? And, And I don't think people know to do that.
0: So how should they go back and do that? Kim, what's your advice?
3: So that that's going to be very dependent on what you have for a denials team as well. So uh, what are they seeing? What are they looking at? Can we get the data of for this month? This is how many got downgraded. uh, And again, are we going back and then, you know, taking those cases out and then recalculating our case mix? So. Medical necessity and level of care denials usually come be, come in pretty quickly. Um, you're either going to argue them or you're not. You're going to downgrade them. Uh, so if the decision is to just, you know, you know what they're right, we're going to downgrade this and let it go. Uh, you know, those we can get pretty quickly. The clinical uh, validation denials, which is is more about, you know, denying a diagnosis based on its its clinical merit and the clinical evidence in the record. Again, this is gonna change your DRG. It's it's going to lower it more, more times than not. So, and that can take months and years. So, you know, again, you gotta kind of weigh the, the benefit to it uh, versus, you know, is it really worth it? But I think when we look at, at medical necessity more than anything in, in the downgrades from inpatient level of care to uh, observation status, I, I think that's a, another way we could go. Um,
2: yeah, I think also in today's automated world, citing those changes is a lot easier because that's happening, that's happening inside the computer. Um, the, the thing that I just like to remind people is what your case, what you think your case mix index is, for example, for the month of July right now, may be adjusted. If you look at it five months from now, six months from now with your software program, because especially. Especially depending on the populations you care for, and how often you're getting how often you're getting hit with those denials.
0: That's really interesting. And Laurie, you did mention the fluidity right now related to that. How did COVID impact CMI? CMI? Um, and, and what do you do now to explain trends in the context of the pandemic?
2: <laughs> I'm I'm actually going to hand this one over to Kim because she lived through that as a CDI director. Um, and all I'm going to say to it is make sure that people understand right now we're comparing apples to oranges, not apples to apples. So what they expect to happen and what what is actually happening may be different. And I'll give it to Kim.
3: Thanks. I Yeah, this was a bit of a challenge. And uh, because case mix, when I was uh, a director, was such a focus, uh, and us improving that month over month. Um, when COVID hit, I saw a, a dramatic change in the case mix. And so immediately I went, oh no, we need to do something about this because this is, and I don't want to say it's artificially inflated, it's inflated because of the COVID cases. Um, that's just the nature of the beast. And you know, essentially patients were coming in to the hospital if they had COVID. If you think about the beginning of the pandemic, Nobody went to the hospital uh, unless they absolutely positively had to be there. They were not admitting patients unless they were really, really, really sick uh, or if they had COVID. So uh, our case mix shot through the roof because we had very high acuity. Uh, We also had to stop elective cases. So that was also a concern of how that was going to impact our case mix uh, as surgical cases have higher DRG weights. Uh, than medical cases for the most part. But when you're seeing hundreds and hundreds of, of COVID cases, uh, it, it is going to change your, uh, your case mix dramatically. So recognizing that we worked with our finance people and we reported out two sets of numbers. Uh, we typically broke it down between medical and surgical uh, in general, uh, with trachs, without trachs, because uh, those procedures actually do uh, increase your case mix significantly. And then we were, we had a second set of numbers. We basically removed every single COVID patient. So if they had a COVID code, um, they were taken out and we reported that out. So it really kind of gave us, uh, this is where we would be without these COVID cases. So when the time came, when the surges kind of settled down a little bit um, and the case mix started to really drop dramatically, we were able to demonstrate, no, this is pretty much where we would have been without the COVID cases. So we stayed in line with that. So we didn't see that big peak and valley that that a lot of places saw. And then we didn't start getting questions as to why is it dropping so much? We really did have an explanation for that. And for places that maybe didn't do that, the potential is to go back and, and really run those reports without those COVID cases by using just you know, eliminating the the patients with those specific codes and then see where your your case mix is without all the COVID cases to be able to get a, a better
2: baseline and I think what you know what you're saying and what we were saying when we started is education 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 so you know if your um leadership at your hospital your c-suite is saying well how come it's not staying up how come it's not getting higher um that's where you have to back up and use those numbers to support exactly as Kim did um I kind of equate it to uh when I first started our CDI department, we didn't have a CDI department before then. So the first, I would say, three to six months of having CDIs reviewing the records and querying, the case mix index shot up. And it was very easy for us to demonstrate that that was related to the interventions that CDI was doing with record review. But then it's going to, plateau out. We can't just keep going up. Our patient population is not getting more complex, more complex, more complex. The documentation was working to capture that high complexity. So when it started to plateau out, I had to have likely the same discussions Kim is talking about with my CFO about we can't continue on this trajectory. We're finding those missed opportunities. Now we're looking at maintaining where we are because there's nothing new that's being impactful to this population right now. And that, that, that was a conversation I had to have numerous times because they just wanted to see that number climb, climb, climb. I had to demonstrate we can only climb so high, you know. When you reach the top of Mount Everest, you can't go any higher with the patient, with the patient that population you're taking care of. And I think that's all about how we communicate this metric and how we communicate the nuances related to it up the ladder and down the ladder, so that everybody involved in this process understands that.
0: That's really interesting. So my final question for today is then how can you use this metric as a targeted tool to support your initiatives in CDI? Kim, do you want to start? How did you use it?
3: Sure. I, I think it's a bit of a loaded question, but um, because I think it really does depend on your, your mission and uh, and and where you're going to go. And do you have a more uh, advanced program CDI program versus not and uh, so are you going to use this more as a teaching tool are you really trying to improve that case mix because this is a new cdi program like laurie was talking about so i i do think it it really does depend on where you want to go um, you know, are you going to start to narrow it down a little bit to provider and or nocturnists? You know, they don't have the assistance of case managers at night to admit patients. So are we going to look at those physicians and what they're admitting? And is it appropriate? Is the is this a, an appropriate level of care? Things along those lines. So, you know, I just think there's a lot of, of, of ways you can go. We discussed earlier case management and, and, med- and level of care and medical necessity. I think there's a lot you can do with the metric.
0: Thank you, Kim. Laurie, do you have anything to add there?
2: Well, I think, um, you know, I always joke that I skipped my statistics class more often than I attended um, in school, but numbers can be used in a a number of different ways. So uh, you can... um, break down your case mix index by service line. So if you really want to drill down as to what's happening on your cardiovascular service line, you can look at the case mix index just for that service line or break it down by provider if there's certain issues that you're looking at. You can use your case mix index to measure impact. So if you, let's say, With the cardiovascular team, you're noticing that there are a lot of documentation opportunities, you're querying, you're not getting the answers, so you put forth an effort to um, engage that group of physicians and to provide them with education. You can compare how month over month, you start to see changes within that case mix index and start to see is that a result of our interventions with this group? Is it it related to increased complexity in the population we're caring for? It can just help you drill down to just certain populations. Um, You can even look at case mix index by CDI if you want to split up your team and you know, if, if they're taking care of a certain population of patients to see is that CDI capturing, um, so it's, again, don't use that number as your sole number, um, as Kim, um, said earlier, it's one metric in a forest of metrics that you can look at, look at it within that, um, uh, mosaic of all those other metrics, um, to to see how to use that number. Sometimes you've got to get, get creative, but it is a useful metric. Just don't get too tied up with the number going up and down month over month. You want to look at wider trends and understand the population that it's tied to. Hopefully that makes sense.
0: It does. Thank you so much. I I think that was a very informative discussion. I learned a lot and in conjunction with my reading of the white paper, I think I have a far deeper understanding of where CDI departments can uh, make change with their CMI and have useful conversations. So I do thank you very much Laurie and Kim for joining us. Unfortunately, we are at the end of our time as always. If anyone listening has any questions about this topic, you can feel free to email the ACTUS team. You can send that email to actus-inquiries at simplifycompliance.com. We'll also put that address in today's show notes so you can grab it from there. Now it's time for the ACTUS update, a regular segment featuring the latest news on what's going on inside the association. CDI week 2022 is almost upon us. I can't believe we are almost in September. So mark your calendars for September 12th to to the 16th and join us in celebrating under the CDI. During CDI week, we'll be sharing the full data from the 2022 CDI week industry survey, which is a can't miss state of the industry report that I promise is jam packed full of fascinating data about the state of the industry. Keep an eye out for the Q&As with subject matter experts who will help analyze and interpret the data. Plus, we'll have a free 90-minute webinar on September 15th. To find all the information about the event, you can visit actis.org and navigate to the CDI Week page that you can find in the Events and Education tab. There you will discover more ways to mark the week, including you'll be able to print the beautiful 2022 CDI Week poster. Also, I wanted to remind you today, August the 31st, is the final day to submit an application to join the Actis CDI Leadership Council for the 2022-2023 term. This is a great opportunity for leaders and you can network, learn and collaborate on topics relevant to your roles it is completely free to join, and you do not need to be an ACTUS member. You simply must meet the eligibility requirements laid out on the ACTUS website and participate in a series of surveys over the course of the term. To find out more about this, you can visit actus.org. Finally, do you have an idea you want to write about? The deadline for articles to be submitted for inclusion in the next edition of the CDI Journal is October 3rd. So now's your time. Grab a pen, write down what's been on your mind and submit submit it to Linnea Archibald at larchibald at actus.org. You can find that information in today's show notes. And this brings us to the end of today's Actus podcast episode. We will be back in two weeks on Wednesday, September 14th for our next show, which is going to be part of our Conversations with Carla series in which Actus Editor and Product Coordinator Carla Recorto plans to sit down with Laurie Prescott to discuss major app updates in this year's IPPS Final Rule. Don't forget you can listen to the show anytime on the Actus website, or via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app. Any links we discussed during today's episode will be available in the show notes. And as always, we'd appreciate if you'd take a minute to leave us a five-star review on your podcast app to help others find our show. Our intro and outro music is Media Noche by D. Key, and our ad music is Take Me Higher by Jazza, both obtained from the Free Music Archive. If you have any suggestions for future guests or topics, please email them to us at atthis-inquiries.com at simplifycompliance.com until next time take care everyone